following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Comcast. Live from Hallis Hall, it is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy alongside 85 Bear Tom Thayer. I'm Zach Saban, pleased to be joined for the entire hour by, I was going to call him Bears center, but I, I think we have to call him Bears offensive lineman because he's been everywhere on that line talking about Cody Whitehair, the second-year offensive lineman. How many different positions have you played this year? I think I played all three interior positions this year. And how many in a single game? I played all three in a single game, too. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable. And within one play of each other, it's like a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> but, you know, that's one of the qualities you had, and the reason they drafted you is because of your ability to play up and down the line of scrimmage. Um, we, I was talking about this with Jay Hilgenberg earlier. Have you ever forgot what position you were playing? Because what, the reason I ask this is early in the season, you had a snap that I thought that you might have thought the center was underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just flew up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, there is times, um, you know, obviously in that Tampa game when I did have to play all three, there was there was a time where I almost went the wrong way because I thought I was left guard and I was at right guard. Um, you know, so that is something you have to you have to zone into and pay attention to for sure. What about breaking the huddle? Have you ever been playing guard and ran to the football? You know, because I was thinking about Mitch Trubisky last week because, you know, you, you're so accustomed to seeing, okay, 65's here at center. Now it's 55. Has he ever, you know, I'm going, God, I'm surprised Mitch hasn't lined up behind you when you're playing guard. Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened, but I do find myself when I do go back in the huddle, like being in the middle and then I have to bump over, obviously. But, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever had Mitch behind me. How about the information you hear in the huddle? Because I, I always talk about the difficulty and the lengthy terminology that a quarterback has to call a play. And there's always a key phrase, a catchphrase, that no matter what position you play, you have to listen to that, and that gives you a, ignites your assignment thoughts. Have you ever had to, like, think through it, or is like once you hear it that you can pretty much think of any position on the offensive line? I mean, when you do play a three-down front, it's a little bit different than a four-down front as far as if you're playing center, you're covered, or when you're at guard, you're uncovered. Um, you know, in pass pro, you have had some times where you think, you know, you have the nose and you don't, you know, you're uncovered, so you have to sort out with the tackle. Um, so I have found myself doing that a couple times. But other than that, it's, um, you know, it's been a pretty easy transition. Cody Whitehair is our guest for the entire hour here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, Zach Saban, Tom Thayer. And if it sounds like we're talking hardcore football, you can't help it when you're talking with offensive linemen. What is it about the position? And I'm talking about just the, the general nature of playing offensive line, where in my time covering this team, the smartest guys in the locker room, year in, year out, and it's not a knock on the other positions, but year in, year out, it's the offensive linemen. You want to learn football, you talk to the offensive linemen. Right. Probably the nicest professional athletes out there, also the offensive <laughs> line. But, you know, I, let me, for my, for my career, the guys I played with, and then the broadcasting career, Olin and his whole crew, his whole crew of guys, the camaraderie they, sh- they shared, and these guys nowadays have a chance to watch, you know, Cody and his group of guys. It's The offensive line's unique because they all go in a room together, there's no individuals. It's all, you know, your job is only as good as the other four guys and the, and the guys that are waiting in the wings for their opportunity to play. That's, that's the worth of the offensive line. You're only as good as everybody. No one is good alone. Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. Um, 
you know, and the thing that's, you know, you really have to zone into too is, you know, when injuries happen, especially, you know, this year where we've had how many ever different line combinations and different people in there. Um, you know, it it does kind of, you got to kind of take a couple plays to get to kind of feel the guy that you're playing next to. Um, you know, and that's what we fought with this year. Um, you know, but I felt like we've handled it really well. What about a six six quarterback as opposed to a six one quarterback? And you're you're a taller guy for a so you're a bigger guy for a center. Is was there any difference? Did you have to change your style, that your your profile or anything from the two? No, I I I know I did have a few bad snaps there towards you know the beginning of the year, but uh, you know I luckily got it figured out. Um, you know, but I don't think it was any different for me. Um, Obviously, you know, with Mike and Mitch, they're, they, uh, you know, are a little different height-wise. But, uh, you know, you just try and hone into the to the technique and try and keep it the same. I want to flip back to last season because you were talking about having to deal with the injuries. I think that you spent the entire offseason last year leading up to the opening week of the regular season working at guard. That was all you were doing because it's your first year in the National Football League. You know, why mess around? Then Hironis Grisou suffers that that torn ACL he was going to be the center and the Bears are kind of searching for another player while this is going on Josh Sitton gets released final cuts by the Green Bay Packers the Bears sign him right before the start of that first week in the regular season and all of a sudden bam you move to center game one Tom this is unbelievable game one on the road against the Houston Texans so you're learning a new position you got to work with Jake Cutler on the snapping, and when you look up, who's the guy that you have to block? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, I think I was talking to Tom the last time I was with Tom um, about like my experience, my first experience in the NFL, and it was Vince Wilfork. Um, <laughs> you know, the big nose tackle for the Texans. Um, you know, it was it was it, it was my you know welcome to the NFL, I guess if you will. Um, you know, having to block Vince on the road and. You know, a position that I'd only been at for, for four or five days. And, you know, Joshua was new to us. It was just, you know, everything was just, you know, not not the greatest at the time. But, uh, you know, we found a way and we, we actually gelled together. You know, if you talk about all your experiences that you've had in the NFL, because you've had a lot of them. You have two offensive line coaches. You've had change in quarterbacks. If you have a guy like Vince Woolfork, you know he's not going to outrun you. But then you play against a guy in the league that is really quick and is a dynamic athlete over the top of you, with, but is a little bit lighter and a little less you know, strong at the point of attack. Do you have a preference, or do you just go about changing your game in the evaluation during the week? I think the thing where I really excel at you know, self-scouting my tape is my reach blocks and my ability to get you know, to the second level as, as far as running. Um, you know, so I found myself, you know, a little bit better with guys that are a little bit slower, more read technique guys, um, you know, where I can really run and reach. Reach block. Explain it. I had a question about that, too. You talk a reach block as a, if Cody Whitehair is playing center and there's a guy off to his left shoulder, which is really hard, and the play's going left. If you have to be able to snap the ball and reach a guy that's out of position, make up the ground and try to get into winning position on him, which is really difficult, do you ever – because of you're going to have extreme experiences in the short amount of time, do you ever think about changing that and bringing the guard down and you pulling? Because I'm waiting to see Cody Whitehair, the center, 
pulling like Cody Whitehair, the guard. Hold on. We'll find out next. That's the tease as we head into the I don't want to give that much time to think about it. I, mean, <laughs> I want to hear it. Hey, listen. That's the magic <laughs> of radio. Know. More with Cody Whitehair next as he answers Tom's difficult in the trenches questions here on Bears All Access. Brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access. Brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Tom Thayer is here. I'm Zach Saidman. So is Bears offensive lineman Cody Whitehair here for the entire show. And we're talking about the trenches. This is real football. I mean, we're going inside where you have to, to play well in order to win. You look at any good team, it starts up front. Right, Tom? I agree. It does. And, you know, you have to gain experience. You have to be together. You have to spend time in the meeting room. You have to have create the camaraderie in the weight room. All those types of things are which develop a, a really quality offensive line because, you know, there's ways to communicate and you're never going to be able to say a word. It's eye contact. It's two elbows touching. Or Now, anything. is that why? And we'll get to the question that Tom asked Cody uh, before the break, and we'll repeat it for the people that missed it. But one of the things that I think is so cool about the offensive line on game day, People don't realize this, but after you guys finish a series, you come back to the bench, the offensive line, you guys sit in the, the, the left tackle sits all the way at the end of the bench, then the left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. What's the, the point of doing that for people that don't understand? I think the thing is, is like, you know, we're such a tight group and, you know, it takes all five to really be, you know, successful out there. And, you know, we're to we're always, you know, conversating about, you know, what happened in the last drive or the last series or the last eight plays. Um, you know, and now with the new technology and everything, you're able to, you know, see what was out there, um, you know, which is really great. Um, you know, and just talk through different things. You know, you're playing next to a guy, um, you know, to be able to talk to him about the combination block that you were on or with the center on the combination block or, you know, the coaches are there to tell you or coach you up on a man reach or just certain things, and it's it's great. Because there was a point during the game where Bobby Massey kind of injured his knee, and he's he's getting treated, trying to work his way back on, on the bicycle and, and on the stationary bike there behind the bench. And, you know, you're moving from one position on that bench to the other. Cameron Lee's coming in there. Then Bradley Soule's in there. And then they, they're looking at, at Massey, and Massey's like, I think I can go. Then all of a sudden there's the musical chairs <laughs> occurs again. I mean, it is it's exactly what you say it is it's it's that camaraderie it's it's making sure that you guys are in step every step of the way yeah for sure um you know and I think that's you know going back to your question is you know why does the left tackle sit next to the left guard and the right guard sit next to the right tackle I think it's just you know when you come off the field a lot of the times that's who you're combinationing block with um you know and, it, and it's easier to to talk to the guy sitting next to you than to, you know, go clear across to the left tackle that's, that's sitting three or four people down from you. Um, you know, so I think that's the biggest thing. All right, then, before well, the break. Well, then, but then oh. if you have changes within that moment's notice, you got to sit there and talk to the guy who you're going to play against saying, look, I'm noticing this. I'm looking at a guy in this stance. I, I notice the feet of the linebacker. So there's a, you can catch a guy up to speed within a series. And in the Jeremiah Washburn and Ben, the, the offensive line coaches, they need to talk to all five guys every single series. There's never a series where you come out of the game and you don't have any information to uh, you know, to give these guys? Oh, no, there's a constant uh, processing that takes place between series. And, you know, a lot of times you'll see the tight ends or the running backs might come and talk to you in terms of how they're involved. And in the Mitchell Trubisky spends a lot of time with you guys as well. Yeah, that's something, you know, as far as protection and stuff, Mitchell needs to know as far as four down, three down. I mean, it, it, it takes everyone. And, 
you know, the the blocking unit is made up of so much more than just the five guys. It's the tight ends. It's the fullbacks. It's the running back. It's, you know, everyone. So when we're all there together, we all conversated, conversated. Have, have you had to apologize to Mitch yet on the field in between plays? For an example, we were playing the Denver Broncos once, and I gave up a sack on a three-step drop, and I heard McMahon get hit, and I, you know, you, ha- you almost have to apologize to him before he can call the next play. Have you had that? <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. have. I've had it, you, you know, for sure. Um, you know, but you just you try to forget about it, yeah. tell him you're sorry, and move on to the next right. play. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. It's got to be a, just a sick feeling for a while, Oh, it's, right? the wor- it's the worst, you know, because sometimes you can get beat so quickly, and it, it, it can't happen often, you know, maybe once a season or something like that, but it happens so quickly, you know, the quarterback's going to get hurt, and you're already feeling bad for him, you know, a, a, maybe a step before he gets hit. I know you had a question, and we'll get to it in, in, in a moment, but what's the... What's the worst thing that a quarterback ever said to you after, after taking a shot because of a block that you missed? That play, McMahon says, why don't you try blocking him, Tom? And I said, <laughs> I did, Jim. He, 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 you know, what happened was I stuck my arm out and he grabbed my wrist and I couldn't get my hands back to him and he, the guy went around me and... Um, you know, it might have been Michael Dean Perry. It might have been Fridge's younger brother. Yeah, you never had to, to play with McMahon, Cody. So I'm guessing all the quarterbacks that you've worked with, n- no one had anything like that to say. No, they don't. <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's coming for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, but you just – it always is the worst thing to give up a sack, and it, it kills you for the rest of that drive. If not, you know, three or four plays into the second drive, it's hard to get over. Um, you know, but uh, I would say that's the hardest thing, and – I. I would agree with you on that, Tom. When when your quarterback looks back at you and said you got to block the guy, I mean, how demoralizing is that? You know, we op- <laughs> we opened up one year against the Cleveland Browns, and I gave up a sack to a guy named Sam Clancy, who is a converted basketball player. And it was the first game of the year, and I said to myself immediately, I said, oh, my God, I'm on pace to give up 18 sacks this year. <laughs> if I give up one a game, that's what it's going to come down to. Is is the giving up a sack worse than a penalty? Oh, man, I'd rather cut my own finger off than give up a sack. I would agree. Um, you know, especially on, you know, you're passing on, on a three-step pass. It's third and two to three, and, you know, the receiver's open, and you look back, and the quarterback's sacked. I just I just think that's the worst feeling ever. All right, this is way too negative. I, I want to <laughs> get to the positive stuff on the line. When you have, like, just a great pancake block, right, or you pick up, you know, there's a confusing blitz package that, that the other team's thrown away, and you, you make a great block – is it recognized immediately, meaning will the quarterback say something to you immediately or, or your offensive line coach, or is it something that you have to wait until you guys watch video on, I mean, on the I, Monday I after think the that, game? I think there's a sense of, you know, instant gratification by everyone there too. But, uh, you know, it always looks better on tape too when, you know, you, you pancake a guy or you pick up a really tough block when it's – when it's right there in front of everyone to see. You know, it's funny, though. <laughs> when you have a great block, the, the coach, he, he watches it once and then goes to the next guy. If you have a bad play, you watch it maybe five, six, seven times in front of all your peers. And But that's what creates camaraderie is because, look, man, these guys are going through the same trial and error that you're going through, and sometimes you got to support your buddy, and they, they need to support you. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we do kind of, kind of, you know, tend to, to overlook the good, right. um, I guess, if you will. But, you know, we we all know that it's all appreciated from everyone in our group. Um, you know, but it's just, I think the reason we spend a little bit more time on the negative is because, 
you know, the margin of error in the NFL is so little, and you got to get those fixed. Yeah, because the defensive guy who ends up getting the sack, they're dancing around, high-fiving. It's, it's almost the, a defensive version of these new touchdown celebrations for the offensive guys, <laughs> and we'll get to yours in just a little bit. But I, I just think you guys never have, as an offensive line, if you have a great blitz pickup or, or a pancake black, it's not like you can start dancing around even though that was just as big of a play. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I guess what they say is that the O-line's always under praise. So I guess we just got to take it with a grain of salt. All right, it's my fault we didn't get an opportunity in this last segment to answer the question that Tom had coming out of the last segment. So we will do it when we come back here on Bears All Access. Offensive line conversation with Tom Thayer and Cody Whitehair. I'm Zach Zaidman. We're on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Travel to Punta Cana, Dominican Republic in February with Apple Vacations and your favorite Bears, including Anthony Adams, Akeem Hicks, Adrian Amos, and Charles Leno Jr. Visit AppleVacations.com slash Bears for more information. Zach Saban, Tom Thayer, joined by Bears offensive lineman Cody Whitehair. All right, let's get technical because you had a, a really good inside question for Cody Whitehair. Repeat it, and we'll get Cody. All right, you, you asked about a, a reference to a reach block, and a reach block is a difficult block where if a guy is to your left-hand shoulder and the play is going in that direction, you got to be able to snap the ball and quickly enough get into position to block that guy to the outside left that's already being influenced in that direction because of the play, and you got to be able to get your head in shoulder uh, in control of that guy and get his body turned away from the play. My question to Cody as a center, now he's played offensive guard, do they have the opportunity to send the guard down on that guy on the shoulder and then Cody pulls at a center? Because in my career, the center did pull here. Jay did a really nice job. And, you know, Dermani Dawson is famous for it. Olin did and stuff. Throughout your career, because of your experiences, you may give an the option to interject, you know, thoughts like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it ultimately depends on what defense you're going up against. Um, you know, we haven't got, you know, we haven't got the chance to do it yet this year. Um, I think the thing that would be, you know, very special is we have the guys to do that kind of, um, you know, block, I guess, if you will. I think the thing is, is when, when the shade that you're talking about reaching is a little bit wider towards the guard, um, I think it's a little bit easier block, but uh, you know we haven't we haven't had a chance to do it yet. But uh, you know that would be something I would look forward to for sure. A question I keep getting on Twitter is: Ask Cody, uh, do you, does he just want to stay at center? And I'm sure the the answer is you just want to play one position. But the reality <laughs> of the NFL is, you know, when guys get banged up over the course of a game, you have to move sometimes. I think that's the you know I've I've had this question asked a lot. Um, you know, and 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 the best answer I can give is. You know, you only have seven guys that, you know, suit up on game days. And, you know, you never know what circumstance is going to arise on a, on a game day. You know, this game is very violent, very physical, um, you know, and injuries happen. So you kind of have to be, you know, prepared to play whatever position, um, you know. And I I take a lot of pride in, you know, my coaches, you know, allowing me to, to be able to play all three positions and, um, you know, having the faith in me to, to do that, um, you know. But, uh you know, I'm a team guy, and I'll play wherever the team needs me to you play. Know, you know what the difference is? Is If you take an offensive line, I think all five guys should be able to go up on a board and diagram every single position against every single defense the offensive line is required to do. I think when you look at a guy like Christian Jones, who's gone from inside linebacker to outside linebacker, back to outside linebacker, there are significant differences between the, the two assignments of those two positions, and that's a little bit different and a little bit more taxing on, on Christian Jones. But... If you do have the traits where you can go in there and play anywhere in the offensive line, 
that's what every scout, every GM, every coach is looking for is versatility in the offensive line so you have that game day security. And I think when you say, for people that don't understand, when you say that there's seven active offensive linemen on game day, usually what that means is there's one backup interior guy and then there's a backup tackle who doesn't play on the inside. So, you know, if you had a guy, for example, like Eric Cush mm-hmm. as your backup, then he's a guy who could probably slide into the guard positions. When Hironis Gorsu happens to be the backup at times, depending on how it works out, you know, his position of strength is center. So it would make sense to, to move you to guard in those situations because you can play that at an extremely high level as well. Yeah, you know, I just... I have a little bit of experience from college, you know, playing the guard position as well. So I think that makes that transition a little bit easier, um, you know, than a guy that hasn't hasn't played that position. But, you know, Bradley Sewell and Tom Compton have done a nice job this year because their versatility and their body size and structure and athleticism it, it allows them to play up and down the offensive line. And I was impressed when I saw Bradley Sewell long snapping. He did a really nice job at it. So you guys have a kind of a unique crew of guys because there's – there's some similarities between all of you, but you're all a lot a lot different when it comes right down to getting in your stance and doing your job. Yeah, and I think, like you were talking about earlier, it comes down to all five guys knowing, you know, exactly what to do at each position. Um, you know, it's really helped them out, and they've, you know, handled the transition very well. Have you ever taken a snap at tight end, either in college or up in this level in short yardage, goal line, one of those situations? I haven't in college or, or uh, you know, the NFL. I did take it my senior year in high school but uh, other than that I haven't played that in that's a world ago <laughs> I'm just laughing because you said all of the guys are kind of similar on the offensive line who is like Kyle Long and I'm just I mean <laughs> well yeah, yeah there, there you go <laughs> Kyle Long is you know he's a freak athlete um you know he makes we we talk about it all the time he makes everything look so easy he's such you know, a power, powerful guy. He's he's such a great athlete and just makes everything look easy. You know, those guys that have been raised around the game with his dad playing and being around it, you're a little bit more familiar with the inner workings inside the locker room, weight room, practice field, and everything. So, you know, Kyle, with the inexperience he had as a football player, he has a great deal of life experience in terms of pro sports and football between his dad and his brother. I, I think it's fascinating when I, I talk to former linemen and – they marvel at the fact that, and the reality is, I think even Kyle would admit this, sometimes he's not the most technique sound player, but he's able to make up for it with incredible athleticism. And it's the kind of stuff that most guys who play the off- different positions on the offense, you just can't get away with the stuff that he can do. And I, I remember his first game against Ndamukong Sue. Sue handled him pretty well. That was the last time. And it, it, it's it's remarkable sometimes when you when you're able to do that, and he can get away with things that you or Tom probably couldn't back well, when you. Played. You know, one thing about Kyle is we have to live in the weight room to have confident strength and confidence. Kyle is superior strong without living in the weight room like we you know we kind of feel like we have to just to get to the next day. Yeah, we joke with Kyle all the time. We tell him he could just you know go in the weight room, look at a weight, smell the weight, and just. You get know, bigger. Get bigger each time. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's it's funny you say that because we were just watching tape of, you know, the last time we played the Vikings and some of the, some of the body positions that he got himself into and was able to get out of is just unreal. 
I think the thing that, that stands out is the work in the weight room. And, and you guys both lived in the weight room. And, you know, Tom always tells the story that, you know, the offseason isn't easy because you're constantly, as you're driving to the gym to, to put in the work, you're constantly worrying about the next hard lift that, that, that you're, you're, you're going in there to do. And it's, it's the pressure of knowing. You can explain it better than well, I can. It, you know, even though you may not achieve it, you're always trying to achieve world-class strength as an NFL offensive lineman, NFL football player. So it's not like you're driving to a health club and you're just going to get through your workout and socialize with all your friends. You have to get in a mental frame of mind as you're right – driving to the weight room going, okay, I'm going to get underneath a squat bar with 600 pounds on it, then I'm going to take it off the rack, and then I'm going to un- unlock my knees and hope to God I don't go right through the floor and not be, you know, come up again. So it is. It's, it's, really, um, it's, it's really tough to get yourself in the right frame of mind because there is no jacking around in the weight room, and it means as much to your future success as going out and having a good nine on seven or a, or a good practice. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of weightlifting, you know, it, it, it is mental. Um, you know, you have to – you know, I talk to Clyde Emmerich all the time about this. You have to be in the right mindset to, to you know – make the make your record or make your personal best or you know it, it's you have to almost get mad at the bar or the weight or you know whatever you're lifting um you know to get that weight we've got to take a time out but when we come back and, and you just put something great into my head i want to know what's your personal best cody and does it match mr thayer we'll find out next here on and clyde emmerich's probably listening and you can't lie about it we're we're, we're on the radio Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Cody Whitehair, Zach Zaidman rolling on on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Help those in need by donating new or gently used winter coats to the Chicago Bears Jewel Osco Coat Drive at participating Jewel Osco locations now through January 1st. Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy live from Hallis Hall alongside Tom Thayer. I'm Zach Zaidman, Cody Whitehair, the Bears offensive lineman, our guest here on the show. So before the break, first off, let's explain who Clyde Emmerich is, the legend. The legend. He's been the he was one of the, he was one of the first or maybe the first strength coach ever hired in the NFL years ago by George Hallis. And Clyde should be and should go into the Hall of Fame. If you think about what he's meant to the NFL in his career with the Chicago Bears, um, he's the first man in the world ever under a 200 pound body weight to snatch and clean 400 pounds overhead. He's a former Olympian and he's. Um, 86 years old now, still in great shape, still a big part of the weight room. And uh, his knowledge, that you, you couldn't find his knowledge in five to ten guys right now because of his years of experience. And the weight room is named after him. That's how much respect they have for the, the man they call the legend here at Hallis Hall. All right, so, Cody, what's your personal best? At what? We talk about squats. Squats, you know, we're, squats. We're the big guys, so we'll talk about squats. Squats. Um, you know, this last off season, I hit um, 575 for two reps. Um, I haven't done a one rep max yet. Um, you know, in in the last couple of years, so that's what I've done. I'm looking at Tom, and you know, this this is not this is not compare and contrast. So. <laughs> Um, I was always really confident in my strength, and I think that was the one thing that gave me confidence going onto the field is I never believed that I would ever face anybody stronger than me. And um, 
you have to have that sense of confidence because I know I'm not as good as athlete as some of the guys I played against. I couldn't run as fast as 40. They had longer arms and a better structure, but I really believed that I was strong. Has the game changed from the stamp because you're dealing with these super athletic defensive players now? The, the training that you need, is it different for an offensive lineman today, Tom, than, say, when you played? No, I think the main goal should always do achieve, try to achieve superior strength. And when if you're trying to achieve superior strength, the reps that you have to go through in order to try to get to that level is, is going to pay dividends. And um, I think it kept our bodies healthy. Um, it kept us in a really, um, like I said, a confident, a strong position to f- to 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 do it within the framework of your your job because when I first when I started out as a young guy I was a weightlifter Clyde Emmerich taught me how to be an athlete lifting weights and it it helped and um you know from everything that I was ever able to achieve in a weight room um, a lot of it had to do between Francis Rudiger who I was raised with in Joliet to Clyde Emmerich in the Chicago Bears and Cody when you first started in the NFL they they were joking when when you first came here about uh, you know you were country strong and you lifted the hay bale but what what do you credit for the the fact that you put in the work who who helped you get to the point where you were as a as a player at that point well I think you know, my coach in high school and college, um, you know, my, my college coach was, you know, Bill Snyder, who is an old school guy who believed in superior strength, like like Tom was talking about, you know, the Olympic lifting and, and all that, um, you know, so I would have to give it to him. And I, I feel like, you know, the weight room has to carry over on the field as well. You know, it's something, as I saw Bill Snyder the other day coaching in the bowl game, and it's amazing that how long guys like that can last in coaching because they're so well-respected, whether you're coaching a 17-year-old kid now or you're coaching a 17-year-old kid 25 years ago. And I think his knowledge carries a lot of weight, and I, I see a lot of respect from the kids because there's a couple times that he was – kind of trying to get his message across within the huddles on the sidelines, and you could see the attention that they were paying to him. And it's, it's impressive to see a guy like that. And you're fortunate to have come across a guy like that in your career to learn from. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, and, and, and it, was, it was all a process, um, you know, of buying into his, um, you know, his, his, the way he does things. Um, you know, and he's able, you know, throughout his age and throughout his career at, at Kansas State still be able to get – you know, people to respect him and play for him and, and, and buy in. This week on Inside the Bears, Jordan Howard and Kyle Fuller team up with Santa Spice to deliver some local holiday cheer, and Craven LeBlanc traces his challenging journey to the NFL gridiron. Inside the Bears airs Saturdays at 6 p.m. on CW50 Chicago and Sundays at 11.05 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago. You can also watch show segments online at chicagobears.com or on the Chicago Bears official app anytime. And since we just passed the holiday season, the New Year's on the way, usually the quarterback of the team almost always gives the offensive lineman a gift to show his token of appreciation for the hard work that you guys put in to make sure that that quarterback is upright throughout the season. So, Mitchell Trubisky's a rookie. Number two overall pick. It's a pretty nice contract. So what did the rookie get the offensive line this year? He got us Yeti coolers. Um, you know, the, the biggest one possible. And then, you know, the... It's not little, but uh, it's a little bit littler than the big white cooler. He got us the softer cooler. I'm not sure what it's called. Um, 
you know, a Yeti hat, a Yeti tumbler, a Yeti koozie. Um, you know, it was just a Yeti Christmas, if you will. Um, <laughs> we're very, you know, thankful that Mitch, um, you know, did that for us, and he outdid himself this year. Now, last year, what'd you get? Um, Jay got us um, a bag. You know, there there was there was a bunch of quarterbacks last year, so they all kind of, you know, Jay got us a bag. Um, a different quarterback got us watches. Um, you know, I don't remember all the gifts off the, off the top of my head. Man, Tom, you I never got anything. That. And you played with a lot of different I've never quarterbacks. Got anything from a quarterback? <laughs> wow, seriously? Yeah, they never. That wasn't the tradition back then because I I think there's been a significant jump in the salaries that these guys get from the beginning. And quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round back then, you know, they were in a different you know economic bracket already than we were but yeah we didn't we didn't get anything but i didn't i didn't expect it either has kyle long ever talked to you cody about the time that uh, i think jay cutler brought in a tailor and had custom made suits made for every single person on the offensive line really i haven't heard that story yet yeah that's ryan, pretty impressive ryan newman actually i got a couple suits made from him and it's so much so that adam gase ended up flying him down to miami and having suits made for all of his uh, coaching staff <laughs> wow very See, cool look, now all of a sudden we've upped the ante just <laughs> well, remember that you know next year he's a veteran you know, well, you know, ne- Cody's first Pro Bowl next year, you know, <laughs> then he's got to start supplying gifts to the other offensive linemen, you know, so it becomes a little costly at times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I want to know, you know, there's so much is made of, of Mitchell Trubisky and what's he like, you know, but behind the scenes, what's he like in, in, in the huddle? What's he like on a daily basis? Because there's no one that, that works with him more than you. Yeah, Mitch... I haven't been around a young guy like this that's that's worked as hard as he does, um, you know, puts the amount of time in film that he does. Um, you know, Mitch has, Mitch has took ownership of, the, of our offense and really led our offense to, you know, and you see you see the progression he makes each week. He's getting, you know, a better vocal leader. He's getting better at reading stuff. He's getting better in the huddle, um, you know, every week. Um, it's really cool to see, and I think sky's the limit for him. Is there anybody in the huddle that can help Mitchell Trubisky? Because, you know, when, you have, when you're when you a quarterback, and I always talk about the difficulty of the terminology and everything, is some players know it almost as well as a young quarterback that's coming in and saying it for the first time. Is, is anybody in the huddle that can help him, or is he kind of on his own with Dahl Loggins in his earpiece? You know, he's done a great job. Um, you know, if he – if he does stumble, you know, a little bit or, or miss, you know, a certain route or something, the receivers or somebody will help him, um, you know, but he's done a great job up to this point. And after practices, for example, if if you missed a route, he will work with the receivers. He's almost always the guy staying extra. I know he spends a lot of time with you working on the snapping, uh, you know, all the things that you need to take care of before game day. Yeah, Mitch is definitely the last one off the field. Um, if there was even a, a route that was off the slightest bit, um, you know, during our team periods in practice, he's always out there after practice getting it with the with the tight ends or the or the wide receivers. So he's he's you know one of our best practice guys. And he's also one of the best team celebrators. Is that a, a word? Because he did the snow angels on. I think uh, he was coerced into doing it. Well, I don't think he really <laughs> wanted. To. Well, there's a guy sitting in this room right now who was Plan A, Plan B. The snow angels. We'll discuss next with Cody Whitehair, our guest on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. This segment of Bears All Access is orchestrated by CDW, CDW, people who get it. Tom Thayer's here. I'm Zach Zaidman. We've been having a fun hour with Cody Whitehair, the Bears offensive lineman. I'll tell you what's fun playing in the snow. You know, every player I talked to last week, no one's complaining. 
you know, you, you would think it's it's difficult, but I know before the game, Cody and I were talking, Hironis Grisou's uh, around, and you were jacked up to play in a snow game. Yeah, I mean, you come to Chicago, you hear about the traditions of how cold it gets, the amounts of snow, and, you know, it's just it's awesome to be able to play in the snow. Well, you, you know what's nice nowadays is because they have the technology underneath the field where they can keep the surface soft enough where you can wear cleats and they can stick in. If anybody watched the Iowa Bowl game yesterday, they were playing in a baseball stadium, and the field froze. And so you can't wear spikes because it's just like having ice skates, and then these guys are trying to play in gym shoes, and then they fall down. So when you do go out in the snow and you have the, con- the field conditions are grippy on your spikes – it's it's a little bit more favorable for you. Yeah, for sure. We're lucky to have, you know, the field we have that, you know, keeps it above freezing, I guess, if you will, so that it doesn't freeze. Um, you know, but it's it's a lineman's dream come true to play in the snow, and then you add Christmas Eve to it. It's just, you know, a blessing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And and I bring the snow up because one of the, 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 the big footage that we saw after one of the touchdowns was Mitchell Trubisky doing the snow angels and he said that it was Joshua Bellamy who convinced him to do it but initially and I didn't realize this but the the initial plan because you guys haven't done a lot of these celebrations like some of these other teams the initial plan was to hand the ball to Cody Whitehair and what were you going to do with it I was going to spike it um Mitch told me before the game, he said, if I have a rushing touchdown, I'm going to find you, I'm going to give you the ball, and you're going to spike it. Um, You know, and he was like, on the sideline, he was like, I was trying to find you. Where were you at, man? Like, I was like, I was on the bottom of the pile, dude. (laughs) Um, You know, so he went to his second option, and I guess that was the Snow Angels. So that was pretty cool. He was able to ad-lib the play and uh, audible. I mean, that was cool for him. But would you, have you practiced spiking? Are you like Gronk? Do Do you get all robotic with it? You know, I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. He just came up to me and said he was going <laughs> to hand me the ball, and I guess I was supposed to spike it. So I don't know. I didn't really, well, you, you know, practice too you much. you got big hands. Just make sure the grip is good. So when it hits the ground, it hits like a manly spike. <laughs> you don't want it slipping out of your hand at the last second, barely hitting the ground. Yeah, how embarrassing would that be? <laughs> <laughs> but it gives you incentive to create an opportunity where Mitch gets another rushing touchdown this week. Yeah, we're going to try it this week, and hopefully we have the same plan. And the conditions are a little bit better. What's the – because I, I know I was talking to some coaches and, and some of your teammates at halftime of that game against the Browns that, you know, there is a challenge to, to keeping your footing in, in that wet weather because the field is slick even though, you know, they're doing a pretty good job of, of taking the snow off of it and it is heated. It's a little bit softer. How do you maintain your footing in that? I think for offensive linemen, I think the biggest thing is just playing with a great base. Um you know, if your feet get too wide, they can slide out. Um, you know, and obviously if your feet are too close and t- you're playing too high, you don't have the power. Um, so speaking as an offensive lineman, I think the base would be the biggest thing there. You know, favorable field conditions, even the worst of weather in Soldier Field. And then you go to perfect conditions 100% of the time in Minnesota where you wear the same shoes that you wore outside in the snow that you will indoors in a perfectly dry climate. I, I change them up. Um, I wore the seven studs in, in the Cleveland game with – you know, where it's a little bit wet, a little bit, you know, slippery. But uh, when we go up to, you know, Minnesota where it's turf and indoor, um, you know, I'll wear a molded cleat. I was talking to a lot of the players this week, and obviously the season hasn't gone, I think, the way you guys wanted it to. But there is a belief, and you were here last year, you've been here a couple of years, you understand what the NFL is about. There's a belief that there's a core of players, especially on the offensive side of the ball, where – 
the arrow can begin to point up. Do you, do you believe that? What gives you the confidence that, that that's really going to happen? I believe that 100%. And I feel, you know, we're getting so much closer, um, you know, and throughout the season, I feel like our arrow's only gone up. Um, you know, but we take a lot of pride in it. Um, you know, we take a lot of pride in, in you know, running the ball and, and protecting Mitch, um, you know, and getting Jordan, you know, the yards that he does. Um, you know, we just take a lot of pride in, in you know, being great, um, you know, and that's what our offense is striving to do. But, you you know, you, it's unique because you've earned a leadership role on this football team in two short years. You know, you're not a young guy anymore. Now you're an experienced veteran. Do you feel um, a – a sense of pressure is not the right word I'm looking for, but do you feel that sense of pressure to encourage the players not only to put in the effort in the offseason to try to stay around and work around here so you guys can continuously develop that camaraderie and that, that sense of team that you need to have in order to be successful? Yeah, for sure. I, You know, I felt like through the offseason last year, you kind of sit back as, as a young guy, as, as, as a you know, the end of your rookie year and really try and, you know, kind of grasp what, you know, the older veterans are doing. And, you know, the, the off season is where you make the most gains, um, you know, and if you can get people in here and, and, and work out together and, and be together both on and, in, you know, off the field, um, that's only going to help our offense and help us grow in the next year. A lot of the players, the veterans specifically, have talked about changing the culture. Now, we've heard that. What does that mean? I just think, you know, for whatever reason, we got to just, you know, like you said, the the year hasn't gone the way we wanted it to. Um, and there's two ways you can go. You can throw it in the tank and not, you know, play for each other. Or you can you can relish the grind. And even though the season hasn't gone the way we wanted it to, um, you know, and keep fighting, um, you know, and not giving up. And I think that's, you know, what we've seen is, is this team does have a good culture. Um, you know, we're not the team no matter what our record is, no matter – you know, how the game is going, you know, if we're down 14 points or whatever, we're not that team that's going to, you know, give up or, or, you know, slow down at all. You know, we're constantly working to to get better and striving for excellence. You know, it, it, it's evident because, you know, even playing against the Cleveland Browns last week, you look at the effort, uh, the attention to detail that guys have played, the ability to put offensive linemen in there at, the, at a one-play notice. Obviously, the guys are concentrating at practice. They're giving a lot of effort. They're understanding what your what every position's assignments are to make sure they're prepared for the game. So I think you see evidence of that in the games like Cleveland. And then you talk about God, what a great way to go out! You guys can go up to Minnesota and you could buy you can be spoilers of the season and go out there and conclude the season. And they always say winning is contagious. You have a couple wins at the end of the season, and that could be a great kickoff to you know before the off-season program starts yeah and I think you know with the amount of younger players we have on this team um there's no better way than to to end the season with two wins and you know a division opponent on the road um you know in a hostile environment because Minnesota's had a great year they're still fighting um you know and it's going to be a great atmosphere up there so if we can beat them up there what what a great um you know momentum to go into next well year. eventually that i mean that has to permeate the locker room you guys it's it eventually when you start otas next year in your offseason workout stuff you have to talk about the playoffs because that's a conversation that you need to have amongst yourselves that it, it's it, you know you earn the opportunity to believe but you have to talk about it in order to set your sights high. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like I said, what better way to, you know, have the confidence beating a, you know, playoff team. And you look at you look back at our, 
you know, season and you see the teams that we've beaten and how close we've been in so many games that should give us confidence and, and you know, going into next year as well. You know, that's that's the thing that stands out. You, you have beaten some of the best teams in the NFL this season. You know, Pittsburgh is uh, a Super Bowl contender. Carolina has been a, an outstanding team. You know, Baltimore's coming up uh, of late. So there there have been some some big wins here. And then there have been some really tight losses against some of these these really good teams. What stands out about those losses that this entire team, because it's a lot of the young guys, a lot that this team can take into the offseason to, to be able to finish these games? Yeah, I, I think, you know, looking back at them, a lot of them as execution errors as far as, you know, maybe not, you know, doing the right thing. But, uh, you know, we can we can really, you know, hone in on those mistakes and, and grow as an offense, I guess, if you I guess if you will. And, you know, those tight games where we lost by three or six points, you know, convert that fourth down or that third down, you know, when we're, we're driving and, and, and about to score to just, you know, get over the hump, I guess, if you will. I think the the continuity of personnel is another big thing that now that you've had a chance to play, I mean, you start to take a look at, at the nucleus on the offensive side of the ball where you have a quarterback that you feel comfortable with heading into next season. You know, what more can you say about Tariq Cohen and, and the job that he's done? And he, we know what Jordan Howard is about. And hopefully Adam Shaheen can get healthy and up to speed now that he's had a little bit of time a- out there. And, you know, when the offensive line is healthy, I mean, especially the interior of the line, that's, I mean, if, I, if I'm a running back, that's exciting. And, you know, Charles Leno continues to show his durability. So that there are some pieces that you can work with going forward. Yeah, you talk about that core that we have. Um, it's there. We just, you know, we got to keep fighting. And, you know, we're really looking forward to going up to Minnesota this weekend. And, and I think with the win up there, will give us a lot of momentum going into next year as well. You know, there's a guy like Josh Sitton who comes in with a lot of experience. Is he, um, does he ever give you any advice? Does he ever help you about in preparation during the course of the week or maybe even in the midst of a game? You know, after getting here for a period of time and understanding the offense, the offseason and everything, has he been a good sounding board for you? Yeah, Josh has been great. Um, you know, he is the veteran guy of our room. He's been in the league for, you know, almost 10 years. And, you know, he's had some Pro Bowls. He's been through, you know, some great, around some great teams and, and knows what, knows what it takes um you know so I've really leaned on him um you know he's gave me some good advice and you know especially in this year where I've had to play both guard and center um you know he's had to to play guard throughout his whole career so I came in for a couple uh what two quarters of center this year yeah did it did a nice job when he came in there he did um you know Josh is just you know a great veteran guy to have on our O-line and we're very fortunate to have him I wish he'd smile more when he's around the media no, nah. you know, he doesn't. He doesn't like talking. He, you know, he's a slow approach guy. He's the last one in the huddle when you come off the si- when you go into the huddle from the sidelines and stuff. And he's got that whole veteran appearance about himself. Yeah, when the ball is snapped, he means business. Yeah. Hey, we've got to say goodbye. Good luck in Minnesota, and good luck the rest of the offseason. Happy New Year for Cody Whitehair and Tom Thayer. I'm Zach Saveman saying thanks for listening to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Thanks for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Chicago Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, FanDuel, and PNC.